After last night's 7-0 drubbing at the hands of the Penguins, Flyers captain Claude Giroux said it was the worst game he's ever been a part of. Stick around, Junior. We'll see what we can do for an encore. It was everything you'd want it to be. You got the chili goal. You got that amazing Geno goal. You got Sid with three goals and one of them out of the air. You got cities on flame with rock and roll. But one thing you don't have yet is four wins. 7-0 is great, but keep it in your pants, kids. You got to win four. This is the Mark Madden Show in and of itself. Last night was wonderful. 7-0 over the old enemy, but there's still much work to be done. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. Or you can do what the cool kids do and follow me on Twitter. The Flyers did look shell-shocked after. Heck, they look shell-shocked during. Brian Elliott, the Philadelphia goalie, afterward, it looked like he was not enamored with the idea of getting back in there against the Penguins tomorrow night. Giroux was just pale. More pale than usual, even. Sid and Gino ripped it up. I told you that would happen. Murray and Latang were excellent. I told you that would happen. October through March doesn't matter. Right now is what matters. And no one knows that better than the Penguins. Oh, and Broussard was great. Let whoever go block shots. And by the way, Chad Ruweedle did that six times last night. The Penguins had 24 blocks on the evening. Now that's playoff hockey. That is three straight playoff shutouts for Matthew Murray. And Mark andre Fleury also got a shutout last night as Vegas beat L.A. one zip. Jake Ensel at four points. It's great to see him get off to a good start to get some confidence. That matchup of the Giroux line against the Sid line didn't work out too well for Philadelphia. Giroux was minus four and Sid was plus five. That is all the people need to know. Philadelphia is going to continue to have a rough time if the Flyers keep Gostas Bear and Provorov on the same defense pair. They're not nearly defensive or physical enough, and the other two pairs can't move the puck for Bupkus. And their goaltending blows. It just blows. That was evident right away when Elliott spilled that long rebound and Brian Russ scored. Uh, you know, not a bad goal, but it's a goal you probably ought to stop in the first couple minutes of your first playoff game. The Flyers were dirty like you figured they would be. Couturier leg-whipped Latang, definitely intentional, stuck out his foot and tripped him, but didn't quite get him knee-on-knee, knee, and thank God that could have been real bad. Konechki tried to be chippy, but it's tough to even be douchebags when you're down 7-zip. So that was great, but it's far from over. That Geno goal was insane. 
The first Sid goal was insane. The third Sid goal was insane. If you're the Flyers, those goals have got to be demoralizing, both on the night and moving forward. How the heck do you stop that? History shows again and again how nature points out the folly of man. I can't wait for game two. It's that time of year. PPG Paints Arena was electric. The fans know what time of year it is, too, so let's talk hockey. Dial 412-333-WXDX. If you want something to be a bit nervous about, the Penguins made a lot of bad turnovers, especially in the game's first half, and Matt Murray bailed them out. He made that unreal save on Lawton when it was still 1-0. Lawton whiffed on the first try, practically in the blue paint, and Murray dove and made the save on the second try. That stop was out of this world. So the Pens made some turnovers, and Phil Kessel couldn't quite get untracked, and the top power play didn't score in four chances. But after 7-zip, I'm not all that concerned. So again, get your pens calls going, get your hockey calls going. It is indeed a glorious day, and hopefully with many more to follow. I was a bit surprised to hear Dave Haxtall say, the Flyers coach, he said he's going to go right back to Elliott in goal for game two. I get it, because Morazic sucks too, but when you get blown up for five goals in less than a half hour, that's a rough night. If I were Hackstall, I might have given myself 24 hours to think about that decision. Did anybody go out and get Wendy's chili after the game? One free. They don't do that promotion anymore. But I thought about it. That's good chili. Back when, I think it was in the 80s, when the Penguins scored seven goals, you could redeem your ticket at Wendy's for a free chili. The seventh goal was the chili goal. The Pens would have six goals, and the crowd would chant, Chili, Chili, Chili. So it was delightful seeing those Jamokes get cut down to size. And on paper, this series is a mismatch, and we saw that last night on the ice. But you got to win four games. Not one, but four. Here's my prediction, though. If the Penguins win Friday... The Flyers are going to go back to Philadelphia, lie down, and die like dogs. Woof. Uh, the Penguins were just overwhelming last night. I liked what Derek Broussard said after the game. He was like, look, I've been on the other side of that. I don't know how you deal with that, the way the Penguins played last night. The Penguins won't fill the net like that every night. Well, unless they do. But we're going to find out what the Flyers are made of Friday. Let's see how they regroup. Hey, I knew the Pens were going to win when Jeff Jimerson sang the anthem. The Penguins never lose when Jimerson sings. Today's a great show. We got comedian Joe Bartnick in studio at 3.30 from Pittsburgh, a lifelong Penguins fan. He does a great hockey podcast, the Puck Off podcast. We got Josh Owey from TheAthletic.com. And we got the Ring of Honor World Heavyweight Champion, Dalton Castle. Ring of Honor is in town Saturday night at Stage AE for their Steel City Excellence Show. 
This is the Mark Madden Show, and you're listening to 105.9 The X. This is Connor Sherry of the Pittsburgh Penguins. You're listening to Mark Madden and the best hockey talk on 105.9 The X. The Philadelphia media really blasted the Flyers, but it couldn't hurt worse than the actual 7-0 blasting the Penguins administered last night. Liverpool FC and the Penguins have now scored nine unanswered goals between them. That's a trend I hope continues. Uh, That result last night kind of made the national hockey media sit up straight also. Like Dan Rosen said on NHL.com, the Pens won 7-zip, and they were talking after about how they can play better. I had that exact conversation also with Crosby and Letang, each meant in certain facets uh, that they feel the Penguins can kind of clean up. Not that anything went real bad last night, but uh, there's always margin for improvement. In USA Today, Kevin Allen called what the Penguins did, quote, a magic show, unquote. Uh, All the little things went well. I talked earlier about the 24 blocks by the Penguins, including six by Chad Ruedel. The penalty kill was four for four. I believe the Penguins had more shots on the PK than Philadelphia had on the power play. It was a nice game for the fourth line, too. Cheyenne, Aston Reese, and Kuhnhockel. We'll talk about their play in a bit more detail a little bit later. Uh, meantime, let's talk hockey. Dial 412-333-WXDX. Let's go to Bryce in West Liberty. Bryce, you're on the Mark Madden Show. Hey, what's up, Double One? What's up, man? Hey, uh, two big takeaways from me last night. One was uh, Chris Letang. I thought Chris Letang, I mean, he played amazing in my eyes. And then I am like a stats guy, and I you know, I checked like the 5-on-5 the five five stuff, the metrics, and he was pretty good there as well. Um, but The truth Chris be Letang- told, Bryce, uh, Chris Letang's been pretty good with the metrics all season. Uh, he just hasn't passed the eye test to the liking of some people. And that's how uh, hockey fans are, particularly the, the, the ones who have determined that they're going to blame somebody when things go wrong, and they've already have their mindset on who that somebody is, in this case, Chris Letang. Uh, whenever Tanger has good metrics, he doesn't pass the eye test. When he, do, when he passes the eye test, people point at the metrics, but the reality is Chris Letang hasn't been as bad all season long as his critics say he has been, but you're right, last night he did uh, take his game up a notch. Basically, he just played defense. Yeah, I agree, and if he's going to play like that, I mean, this is going to be a tough team because if he's not going to make those egregious errors and, and get beat one-on-one on a consistent basis, because he, he has had a good season, but just maybe not to his standard, not the Norris Trophy you know, expectations that I have for him, but if he's going to play like that, if he's going to play like the 2016 Chris Letang, I really don't know if I can see a team other than maybe Nashville beating this team in a seven-game series. Well, many a slip, twixt cup and lip, but uh, you're, you're right that Latang played well last night, and if he keeps playing well, that makes the Penguins that much harder to play against, let alone beat. Leaves the line open at 412-333-WXDX. Let's talk to Jeff in Monroeville. Jeff, you're on with Double M. Hey, uh, Mark, I got a uh, coaching question for you. <clears throat> With this being such a mismatch, I mean, like, what could have been done? Do you pull a goalie after two who's getting shelled when your team obviously has no chance and is getting out? I don't know what could have been done in the middle of last night's game that it would allow the Flyers to stem uh, the tie to 
uh, stop the Penguins when they were on such a roll. But uh, moving forward, I, I talked about this earlier. I wouldn't have Provrov and Gostas Bear on the same defense tandem. That's what's best for them, I'm sure. I'm sure each likes uh, being paired with the other. But uh, it's not a tandem that has a lot of grit. For that matter, just a lot of defensive acumen. And the other two pairs can't move the puck for excrement. So that's the first thing I'd do is split those two up. That might seem like a knee-jerk move after, you know, haven't had a, a playoff season, you know, squeaking in after 82 games. Then again, the score last night was 7 nothing. You're playing the Penguins. It's time to take that into consideration uh, more so than winning 42 games against 42 in the regular campaign. And uh, as far as the matchups go, I, I, I don't know how the Giroux line's done against the Sid line in the past, but last night, Sid was plus five, Rust was plus five, and the guys on the Giroux unit, him, Gostas, Bear, etc., were minus four. So uh, if, if I were Hackstall, I might look to get away from that matchup. Then again, you could make the argument that splitting up the Provorov and Gostas Bear pair and getting away from a matchup you've liked in the past, like the Giroux line versus the Crosby line, you could make the argument that's knee-jerk after losing just one game. And, and maybe I'm panicking on behalf of the Flyers because I see that clearly the Penguins are a better team. And if I were Hackstall, yeah, I maybe I would try an adjustment after just one game. Because if you want to extrapolate just a little bit, it's not just one game. You lost four straight games to them during the regular season. The Penguins swept the Flyers four straight, scored five goals in each of those four games during the regular season, and then scored seven last night. That's 27 goals in five games against the Flyers by the Penguins this season. And given that, I wouldn't just keep going out there and doing the same old, same old. I would adjust in some way. I'm Mark Madden. Up next in studio, my pleasure to welcome. He has a great podcast about hockey called the Puck Off Podcast. It's Pittsburgh's own Joe Bartnick, just around the corner here on 105.9. This is Evgeny Malkin, and you are listening to Mark Madden on 105.9 The X. Gino recorded that soundbite last night when he was cruising past the Philadelphia Flyers on route to that spectacular goal that made it 3-0. My guest right now is a renowned comedian who hails from right here in Pittsburgh. He has a great hockey podcast, the Puck Off Podcast. In studio, it's Joe Bartnick. Joe, welcome. And last night against Philadelphia, game one, boy, it could not have gone any better, could it? Absolutely fantastic. So much fun. Rusty took the pressure off instantly, and then Muzz made the big save, and we're off to the races. It was just butter the whole game. Well, you're right about Rusty scored that early goal. It was good to get up right away because it reminded uh, the fans and the Penguins of who they are, and it reminded the Flyers who they are as well. There is a great disparity between these teams, but sometimes in the Stanley Cup playoffs, that doesn't count for much. No, and especially against the Flyers, it always seems like no matter what, the teams are going to play their guts out against each other. No no question, because like we were just talking about off the air, if you lose to the other team, if you're part of this rivalry, you have to live with it. Then again, I think they're used to living with it. It certainly looked that way when they fell behind by one, two, three, four, and eventually five, six, and seven. And I'm trying to stay realistic after that game, Joe, because seven nothing is still only one win. 
and you got to win three more. But it's the Flyers, so it's tough not to overreact and have a little fun at their expense, correct? Oh, absolutely. I don't know if you saw like the Masters leaderboard or the Western Pennsylvania leaderboard. Giroux is leading in the clubhouse at minus four. <laughs> That's not bad. No, Sid's not going to make the cut at plus five. Uh, you know, it was. It's just it's the Flyers, so you just you just enjoy every win because I always say if ISIS had a hockey team. I'd root for them to beat the Flyers. Yeah, no kidding. My my two favorite teams are the Penguins and whoever is playing the Flyers. And 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 you're a Pittsburgh guy, so you're kind of born into that, right? I mean, I've literally hated the Flyers since I was a preteen. When I was a real young kid, the St. Louis Blues were actually the Penguins' bigger rival. I'm talking about when I'm nine, ten years old. But when the Flyers did that Broad Street bully stuff, that's when they became the rival because they just beat on us and embarrassed us. And then did it again. Uh, that's why last night at seven nothing, I wanted more. I'd have gone for two, Joe, after the touchdown. <laughs> yeah, I I became a Penguins fan in the seventies with with my grandfather when they still wore, wore blue, and that is when you get the flyer hatred because that was the Broad Street Bullies. They'd beat us on the scoreboard. They'd beat us up, and that's why that hatred is never going to go away. Because I remember those days, and we can't win enough. And I think that's the beauty of sitting Gino is. I don't know if they hate them as much as me and you do, but they dislike them a ton. Oh, no question. No question. Uh, Sid said to me this year, I don't hate them as much as you do, but but last night he he offered some uh, some contrary evidence, Joe, because I've never scored three against Philadelphia, <laughs> and, and Sid has. And uh, you, you know, uh, Some of Sid's critics from Philadelphia were online today saying, well, he scored the fifth, sixth, and seventh goals. In a seven not to win. That's the beauty part of it. He just kept sticking it down their throat again and again and again. Uh, I want to talk about that Geno goal for a second because you've been watching Penguins hockey, like you said, since the 70s. Where does that Geno goal rank in terms of being legendary? I think the Lemieux goal was better in 91 against Minnesota, but that might be it. Yes, I think this just the stakes were a little higher because it was game two of a final. Right. I, other than that, I mean, it may be dead even <laughs> as far as, you know, I mean, Lemieux beat two guys right on. Uh, Gino beat three. Yeah, but, but Lemieux went right down the middle too, which yeah. is a bit tougher. He deked the goalie. Then again, that Gino backhand was just sizzling. Like you said, Lemieux's goal was in a Stanley Cup final, but Gino's goal was against the Flyers. So so when you, when you add everything up, it uh, – I'd still give the Lemieux goal the nod, but uh, it, it's not far from a dead heat. Yeah, I mean, I only have one kid, but I think it'd be picking between a her and another one. A, 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 <laughs> well, a Gino goal and a Lemieux goal. I mean, they're my two favorite things. How would you try to stop Sid and Gino? If you're uh, the Flyers coach, Dave Hackstall, or, or any opposing coach, I always say that's the Penguins' biggest edge. Whenever we start the playoffs, Joe, I sit here and I analyze. I talk about line matchups and defense pairings and, and advanced metrics. But the simplest thing to say is, okay, Pittsburgh has Sid and Gino, and the other team doesn't, and I don't know how they make up that advantage. It's almost like what Robert Plant says, crying won't help you and praying won't do you no good. No question. I mean, when Sid and Gino are on fire as they are and clicking, how can you stop them? Unless you have, you know, Iserman and Fedorov, or you have... You know, well, you know, with all due respect to Eisenman and Fedorov, and I was a big fan, yeah. I don't think they compare. The only one-two punch maybe in history that compares with uh, Sid and uh, Gino, well, one is Lemieux and Yager, which shows how lucky we've been in Pittsburgh, and I suppose Gretzky and Messier. 
And those Canadian teams back when, when they won like four or five cups in a row, they had like one, two, three, four punches. I mean, they, <laughs> that, that was a little different back then, but, but really only Lemieux and Yager and Gretzky and Messier, I would say. Absolutely. And I think that's the, you know, we debate, everyone debates it. Do you keep, uh, you know, Phil and Gino, you split Phil and Gino. I think the fact that, you know, really the third line, I thought Broussard played great, but you know, Phil wasn't on his best. I didn't think it was a bit sloppy. So was Sherry. Yes, exactly. So I think, wait till those guys get going. And they will, no question about that, especially Phil. Uh, getting back to the Sin-Gino thing, Joe, my experience is other teams try to con themselves into thinking their two guys are as good as Sid and Gino. Like, they're two top guys. Like, like Philly with Drew and Voracek. And Philly used to really think that with Carter and Richards, too. I remember when they had Jeff Carter and Mike Richards, one of the Philly stooges in the media wrote, well, now we have our Crosby and Malkin. And I said to him in the press box, are you out of your mind? That's not even close. Well, there's actually people on the national, like TSN and Sportsnet in Canada, that were saying, you know, that Flyers might have the best player in this series the way Giroux's going. I'm like, are you kidding me? Giroux's claim to fame is he was a healthy scratch when Sid won the gold medal. <laughs> Good call. Good call. Yeah, I, I, Giroux had 102 points, and I try to respect him. Then again, the dumbass yesterday at the morning skate says, would like to stop their little streak. Yeah. Like, like two Stanley Cups know is a little streak. I admit, compared to 42 years without a Stanley Cup, it is a little streak, but 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 I I just don't like or respect Giroux. And there's a difference there, Joe, like and respect. I'll give you an example. Uh, when I was a kid, I didn't like Bobby Clark, but you had to respect him because he was such a great player. And he played dirty, but if you can have honor among thieves, among criminals, Bobby Clark did. <laughs> I, I think Claude Giroux is just a putz. We're talking to Joe Bartnick, Pittsburgh Zone, here on the Mark Madden Show. Philly was a little dirty last night. Do you expect them to ramp that up in Game 2, or do you think that would detract from their focus, which they clearly need to get back? I don't know if they have a focus, and I think they did. I think they tried to be dirtier than they were. I think Gudis was running at people, but, you know, Gino hit him a couple times. Uh, Zach Asteris hit him a couple times. Well, Alexiak threw that big hit, too, and, and that cut down the shenanigans right then and there. Well, I don't know if you noticed, I Wayne Simmons was missing that whole game except for that weak, straight right hand. It was like, I want to pretend like I'm going to fight you, Alexiak, but I really don't want to. He looked like Sonny Liston at the very end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I know what you mean. That said, you see, I don't like the, I don't like their line combinations. If, if I won Philly Talk Radio, I'd have a field day with that because Simmons is on their third line with Konetsky playing a, an off wing, and, and I don't think that's good use of Wayne Simmons, especially against Pittsburgh, a team he traditionally has succeeded against. Uh, Matt Murray got his third straight shutout in the playoffs, games uh, five and six last year against Nashville, now game one against Philly. But doesn't it seem like Murray somehow gets underestimated or taken for granted? I think he does maybe in the national media. I, and I think, you know, I think finally the flurry lovers, and I was obviously a flurry lover. I, think, I was and still am, but, yeah. but but thank God for this kid. Oh, absolutely. So I think everyone's come on board. There was Murray Chance last night. I mean, Muzz, three straight playoff shutouts. How can you not love Muzz? And I really, we were talking off air, he really controlled the game. Any puck near him, he moved right to the perfect player. You know, he really controlled the game last night. And he made the big save when he had to, which is all you need. Yeah, no question. He's a big game, big save goalie. But it turns out chanting his name, Joe. Flurry rhymes with Murray. Rides with Jari, for that matter. <laughs> if you're a goalie and your name's easy to chant, you really don't have to necessarily play well 
the crowd will, will get behind you. Uh, does anything worry you about the Penguins? Not in this series specifically, but is there a weakness on the club per se? I, you know, I think we could maybe use another defenseman. Not that these six aren't playing very well, but, you know, in a long four or seven-game series, we're going to need some cannon fodder. Well, last year they needed eight, and this year they have seven. Y- yes. So so that, you know what's weird, though? You never know how that'll work out. Because when we got Ron Hainsey last year, I figured he'd be rotten. I hadn't been impressed with him the last couple years of his career. He came to Pittsburgh and turned into Doug Harvey, <laughs> and now he's in Toronto, and he's still Doug Harvey. He's number. He's a number one pair guy. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, he came through in the continent, and maybe if somebody like a Matt Hunwick gets pressed into duty, maybe he will also come through when it counts. And I think he's gotten a bit of a bad rep anyway. I don't think he's been great, but when he's been in the lineup, I don't think he's been as bad as some have said. And I think Ruedel's been fine, especially, I mean, six blocks last night. Ruido played great last night. I, yeah, Matt Hunwick was in a few of those games when the Penguins as a team didn't show up. So he kind of got in, you know, like uh, he was a minus three or four when the whole team didn't play that good. So, but he has to not let the puck get behind. You know, he has to just get the puck out. It yeah, is to, to simplify. Yes. No, I agree. And, but you know, we're here. You know, where I think that, that the Penguins have made it tougher on him than perhaps, well, I can't say they should have because. I mean, whatever works is whatever works, and you can't you can't just think about one guy's comfort at the expense of the group. But Hunwick, one minute's on the right side, then he's on the left side, then he's paired with this guy, then he's paired with another guy, and some D aren't like that. Some D need to just play with a guy and play on the side, and that's it. And you know who's like that? Chris Letang. <laughs> okay, Tanger always plays the right side, obviously, except when he doubles on the left. But but he likes to stick with a partner for a long time. And uh, remember when they took Dumoulin off his pair for a bit? Yes. Uh, I, w- I won't say Tanger was mad, but he was a bit like, you know, what up? You know, you know, some D need a comfort level in terms of familiarity with partner and side. I think maybe Hunwick is is, in one, is one of those. Well, you know, switching lines always seems to like juggling lines seems to uh, pick up some people and kind of get people's mojos going. Never seems with D pairs that is the case. It's not, always... not as much. Not yeah. as much. Um. What's the best series going to be, Joe, in the first round? Uh, I love the first round of the playoffs. It's my favorite time because you can watch games for six, seven hours every single night for the uh, length of the first round. And I can't wait for Washington to Columbus, which starts tonight. Yeah, that's a that's a big boy battle. You know, a, a basically a battle of franchises, coaches. I mean, if Tortorella, you know, loses, who knows what's going to happen to him? And I, I think he's safe because it doesn't seem like his team blew up, which it's about due to happen with Torts. But, but Barry Trotz is in the last year. If he loses, he's done. And in Holtby. Fact, in, fact, in fact, if he doesn't get through two rounds, I think Trotz might be done. He's not signed, so they could easily get rid of him. And if Holtby's not going to play, and, and if Grubauer becomes the man, almost Murray Flower-esque, maybe Holtby's gone. Uh, the series I want to see is Boston-Toronto, because I think whoever wins that series, especially with Tampa you know, not on the top of their game, I think they have a real chance to represent a the A real East. good chance. I, I, I agree with that. Um uh, I think of Washington that loses to Columbus to get back to that series for a second. I think there'll be major upheaval with the Caps. Not just Trotz gone, but maybe Holt be gone. Yes, that's what you I'm know. saying. They'll, they'll never get rid of Ovi because Ovi's their guy. And they shouldn't. Because let, let, let me tell you, I always tell people, go back and look at Ovi's playoff stats. Ovi is not the guy who's let them down in the postseason. Everybody else has let him down. Absolutely. I never thought it's been his fault. I think it's either been goaltending or even the GM not putting a roster together that could use... 
up to his ability or his center not getting it done. You know, Knetsov didn't show up for a while, and Backstrom seemed to disappear half the time. Well, Backstrom's a tough case, too, because when he doesn't play with Ovi, he doesn't produce nearly as much. And I, I guess that could be said of any center, but 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 the drop is noticeable in the <laughs> yes. case of Backstrom. Uh, okay, give us your predictions. Who's the best team in the East? Let's You can't pick Pittsburgh. <laughs> Who's the best team in the East? Who Who has the best bet to beat Pittsburgh? And who's the best team out west? I've been afraid of the Bruins all year. Uh, I even in preseason, I was like, oh, these Bruins, these young guys, uh, step up. They had a little taste last year. I love McAvoy and Chara that pairing. And, I do too. And then you know, I know you're hard on Nash sometimes, but Nash and Krejci, that's a good second line for Boston. And their yeah. their first line is maybe the best first line in hockey. Oh yeah, Burge, Marchand, and uh... Uh, the Pasta Man. Oh, that's right, uh, Pasternak. Yeah. yeah. Although I, I still don't rate him. I, I think he's kind of a, I don't want to say a passenger, but I think he's the beneficiary of playing with those two guys. Oh, absolutely. He's not driving the bus, but he's, you know, he's he's scoring the goals. Right. He's got the hands to uh, make it all work. And I would very badly like to see someone hurt Marshawn very badly. How do you figure Vegas won the division as an expansion team and won their first playoff game last night? It's a great story that keeps getting better. I picked the Kings in six, so obviously I'm I'm a little off right now. Uh, Flowers doing amazing. You know, Gerard Gallant is just such a great coach. Yeah, Jerry's a great coach, you're right. <laughs> I mean, he's just such a great coach. And, you know, now, now they're up one nothing. They have a complete home ice advantage. I don't like them to get past the – I don't like them to get past the Kings. I don't like them to get past the Ducks. I, I just think you start getting to the deep end of the pool where other teams are just have more experience and better. But, I, you know, what can you say? They keep winning. Yeah, that's right. Well, before the season, I said to a buddy of mine who, who's a scout for an NHL team I've known for a long time, I looked at Vegas' roster and said, I don't see them doing much. He goes, no, Gallant's a good coach. He goes, be careful what you predict because I, I think they're a borderline playoff team, and he turned out to be so much more. Finally, Joe, uh, after winning two straight cups, uh, the Penguins could have missed the playoffs this year, and I wouldn't have been too bothered. I, I mean that seriously. As a lifelong fan who's seen them win five times. But to me this year, if they make the conference final at least, get through two rounds, that's another real good year. What is your minimum level of expectation? Uh, three more wins. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> Consider who they're playing. I, I don't disagree with that. Uh, Joe, tell us about the podcast. When How often do you update? I've been on it a few times. It, it's great hockey talk. Oh, thanks. Uh, it comes out usually every Thursday. It comes out. We, we uh, tape it on Wednesdays. And we have uh, me and my partner, Frazier Smith, who's a radio legend out in L.A. He's been doing it 40 years. We talk hockey. And when I'm on the road, it's just me and him. But when I'm in back in L.A., we have guests from all, the, all walks of life as far as we have comics. And then we have uh, ex-NHL players. We have, uh, you know, famous radio personalities. We have... Uh, all kinds of people, uh, writers, just we talk hockey. Well, anybody who talks hockey is a friend of mine. Joe, great stuff. I'm Mark Madden. Next hour, we got Josh Yoey, and we're giving away some tickets to tomorrow night's game as well, so keep it right here on 105.9. Thanks to Joe Bartley for taking the time. A, a really funny guy. Check out his Puck Off podcast. I actually have no idea where to find it, but if you Google Puck Off and Podcast, I mean, how many of them could there be? we got Josh Owens, studio to talk hockey next hour, and we're also giving away, could this be right? We're giving away two pairs of tickets to tomorrow's game? Wow, how very exciting, so keep it right here on 105.9 The X. Last night at PPG Paints Arena was a great night of playoff hockey. Pittsburgh wins 
as do Winnipeg and Vegas in their respective games. Vegas needed that win in game one of the playoffs at home just to feel like it's the same hockey and they could win in the postseason. Tonight will be great. Five games and three of those games have great intrigue to me. Washington to Columbus, which I think is dead even. Slight advantage to Columbus in my mind because they got Bob in goal and Washington is playing their backup for Bauer over Braden Holtby, but these are the playoffs and that is Bob. New Jersey at Tampa Bay is intriguing. I bet Tampa wins at five, but every game is like two to one. And then you got Toronto at Boston. I want to see if Toronto can flat out outscore the Bruins. But I just don't like Toronto's defense, with all due respect to the good brother, Ron Hainsey. Uh, there were a couple baseball fights. Did you see them? A couple baseball fights in the last couple days. Well, you had to see them if you watch SportsCenter. Because the fight last night was between the Yankees and the Red Sox. To Sports Center, that's like Putin versus Trump. Or Putin and Trump against everybody, I suppose. I watched that fight between the Yankees and Red Sox. And it just reiterated what has always been obvious about baseball players. None of them could fight. I don't like fighting in hockey, but at least they fight. At least they're allowed to land some blows. Mono Imano in baseball. The minute the hitter charges the mound after he gets plunked, everybody tackles everybody. Here's how baseball should handle it. Let the guys fight. If a guy gets drilled with a pitch and he rushes the mound, the catcher shouldn't stop the batter, and no one should go in to help the pitcher. Let them settle it. Let the guys fight because... If they let the guys fight, nobody would ever watch them on because those guys don't really want to fight. Uh, the most cowardly thing in sports is when a pitcher throws at a hitter in baseball. The hitter has zero defense. What? you got a guy standing out there, 60 feet, 6 inches away, with a hard spheroid. He's going to throw at the batter who has a split second to react, what can the batter do? Can't protect himself. He can't throw his bat at the pitcher before the pitcher throws the ball at him. There's no preemptive measure. You just got to stand there and get hit. It is absolutely cowardly. Cowardly beyond imagination. And if I played Major League Baseball and I thought a guy drilled me intentionally, I wouldn't drop the bat to rush the mound. I would take that bat out there. I'd do a whirly bird. I'd get the pitcher and whichever of his teammates rushed in to protect him. Uh, by the way, the Pirates lost yesterday. They're now 8-3. and three. More updates will follow. It'd be funny if the Pirates keep up this great start, but nobody pays attention because the Penguins are in the playoffs. And then, by the time the Penguins are done, the Pirates are already under 500. No Quarter brought to you by CW Electrical Services. Make the switch at cwelectricalservices.com. Uh, I was looking at the stat sheet from last night's Pens Flyers playoff game, and I just love it. God help me, but I do love it. So, Giroux minus four, Gostas Bear minus four, Couturier minus four, 
And then you got Sid and Russ both at plus five, a bunch of other Penguins at plus three and plus four. It was a crazy game. Here's how crazy. Gino gets the goal of the year, and he's not one of the three stocks. Matthew Murray gets a shutout, and he's only the third star. It was a perfect game. I just wish Sullivan would have gone for two after the touchdown. I posted a, a video, the Gino goal, on the Mark Madden page at WXDX.com. I'm sure you've all seen it, but why the heck wouldn't you want to see it again? And I also wrote a blog about that goal and the message that that goal was sent to the Flyers. The message Gino and Sid, as a duo, sent to the Flyers in that 7 nothing win last night. 412-333-9939. In fact, I just trumped my next monologue because that's exactly what I'm going to talk about. Keep it right here. That's 30 seconds away on 105.9 The X.